a calm, beautiful podcast. We speak about the light, hold back truths to spare your feelings. We never rock the boat. No unfiltered opinions here. Listening to Unfiltered. Unfiltered. If it's politics, tech, entertainment, global headlines, and everything in between, we shoot you straight through the eyes with the truth. Streaming to six continents from Colorado Springs, Colorado, and West Hollywood, California. Sponsored by the Stutzman Group. We're real. We're raw. We are unfiltered. This is Bobby and Luke. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is Saturday, February 27th. And Luke, it was just announced this morning that the House has finally, finally passed the COVID relief bill. Well, hallelujah. We are once again halfway there because while I'm very happy with the bill as it is, uh, as it has passed this, the house, <clears throat> unfortunately, uh, we're going to have to get into what is going to happen to this bill now that it has reached the Senate and, uh, and the, the, the effect that a, until this week, previously unknown government employee who's never been voted for for anything in her life got to make a, a ruling on this that just it's it's the, we always we, you know people always talk about how the senate is a very archaic institution with these crazy rules right. and just different, you know a different policy and that you know mitch mcconnell is like a, a master of the senate because you know he was in the senate when these rules were written um but uh <laughs> you know it, it it it's it's just mind-blowing that in the year 2021 this is still how we're doing business and the dems on this one seem to well, some of them are really pissed off, obviously, but right. others are not so much. It's 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 infuriating. It's infuriating. But yes, thank God the House got their side of it done. You know, fourteen hundred dollar checks to everyone, extended unemployment benefits, mucho mucho, uh, imp- uh, <laughs> um, you know, money for the states and uh, the ongoing vaccine rollout. So yep. all of the all of the good things that we wanted are in there, uh, and you know we'll we'll just see how much of that stays in place as the Senate parliamentarian I heard yesterday has other pieces that she will be ruling on as we move forward. Additional topics also include. Uh, I disagree. I will save my colorful language for the pod. <laughs> we'll get into that. Uh, getting there. Or not, and I prefer Mr. Musterhead, and we'll get into everything. On the <laughs> on the Hell other. yeah! Long live Mr. Musterhead! Absolutely. <laughs> I 
Just real quick, Luke, a super group I would love to see formed in in the rap arena is Eminem, Kendrick Lamar, and Royce the Five Nine, and I'd throw in Joyner Lucas in there as well. So the four horsemen coming together and just making a phenomenal album. Wow, that would be that would be something. No, back to the topics, right? So yeah. pre-recording, we were discussing the federal minimum wage. Yeah. And the disagreements between the states should take care of it and or the federal should take care of it. And so I just I dug into your your um your link and I I found out and I didn't even really realize this until this morning that the year that we were born in 1978 to the year we graduated in 96 the federal minimum wage had only gone up $2 and 10 cents. And then you look at 2021 and go backwards from, from 2021 to 78, 43 years, it's only gone up $4 and 60 cents. Yeah. And Fucking I'm, I'm, mind blown. I am on uh consumer price index here. Just wanted to, grab some numbers so this this is an interesting <clears throat> take so they have their uh, cost of living basket is what they call it and in this basket is everything from a loaf of bread pound of potatoes uh, milk bacon eggs coke uh, uh, water you know bottled water tomatoes butter uh, and some ground beef and then of course some uh, toilet paper paper uh, toilet paper coffee grounds and uh, some laundry detergent and so basically the items in this basket, and I didn't even go all the way back to 78. I just started at the last time there was a minimum wage increase back at the end of the 2000s. So 2008 to 2020, there has been a 32% increase in the cost of that basket. Mm. The cost of healthcare in that same time has risen by 43%. The cost, the cost of housing, so how mortgages, rents, et cetera, from the consumer price index has gone up uh, 16.63%. And those in non-minimum wage jobs, so all the rest of the jobs rolled into one from 2008 to 2020 has had a 13% increase. So double-digit increases on all metrics that we use to, uh, you know, when we say cost of living, this is right. this is what we're talking about. These are the right. metrics used for cost of living. Double-digit increases, <clears throat> anywhere from thirteen to thirty-two percent increases, uh, and you know, the the most jarring one of all of this is that basket. 
that cost of living basket because that's yeah, a lot of I those mean, are consumables. Those yeah. are what 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 that's how you live. It's the food you put in your body to live. I suppose you could do without the the you know the the uh, laundry detergent and use something. I I don't know. I'm just like looking through this right. list, and these are things that I use on a weekly. Basis. Oh yeah, and I'm sorry, I forgot the uh, gallon of gas is in there as well. Right. And yes, we're using the 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 national average for a consumer for a, sure. a gallon of gas. Obviously, the we you can get my views on the gas prices here in California as we ride this roller coaster up the hill again. Um, yep. <laughs> right now, uh, as of the end of 2020, the national average for a gallon of gas was two dollars and thirty eight cents. So anyway. Um, 32, 32% increase. And then also if you flip on over to the US inflation calculator and right. you go ahead and you put in that $2 and 10 cents that uh, somebody was making in 1978. Well, in today's money, that would be about $8 and 43 cents uh, per. So the minimum wage isn't even keeping up with inflation, let right. alone cost of living. Right, so if you go, go off of that, that the $8.43 in 1978 money, then that means that where we should be with the cost of living, uh, the the minimum wage should be somewhere around $34 an hour. Wow. <laughs> wow. And it's been sitting stagnant at $7.25 since 2009. I mean, it is fucking bonkers that, <laughs> you know, you know, and we, we, okay, people just think, Okay, you know, they're going to increase the minimum wage. So tomorrow, so we're going to all go to bed tonight. And then Monday morning, we're going to, well, Sunday, then Monday morning, we're going to wake up right. and it's going to be $15 an hour across the, the board and business owners are just going to have to deal with it. No, that is right. categorically untrue. That is a lie from the right to get people to be scared of a minimum wage increase. It is a complete and total fabrication. The first increase, which would only increase the minimum wage to $9.50, would not happen until late 2021, or if not even early January 2022. So there, will, there would be a ramp up to that. And then over the next three to five years, there would be nominal increases every first of the year where the minimum wage would increase again, gradually getting us to a $15 an hour minimum wage, which honestly, if you look at the way that the cost of living keeps going up, all these numbers that I just gave you, mm -hmm. by the time we get to $15 an hour, it probably should be closer to $20 an hour. So, right, right. you know, all of this boohooing about, oh, it's going to put small businesses out of out of business and, and millions of people will lose jobs. Okay. You know, folks on the right like to look at that. Uh, Congressional Congressional Office of Budget study that came out that said we would actually lose uh, like 1.37 million jobs or something like that. Well, what that's not taking into account is the mom or the dad out there right now that's working two or three jobs because they cannot afford the cost of living with the wages they're getting from one job. Right. So they have that nine to five job. Then they go and they work. Uh, uh, an overnight 
job. And then maybe on the weekends, they're also pulling in, you know, they're driving for the Lyft or Uber or something like that. You know, sure. they're working two or three jobs in order to pay the bills because they've got two kids at home. Uh, and then heaven forbid, if, you know, if, if, if they have a, you know, a car problem or, you know, they get a leak in one of the pipes, you know, we're seeing all over America, the carnage from the, the deep freeze that we had and, you know, pipes burst and this and that. The, the majority of American families right now in the year 2021 cannot weather a $400 emergency expense. Right. That is how paycheck to paycheck, cent penny to penny folks are living um, because, you know, it, heaven forbid, because there is no rainy day fund. You know, right. it is the rainy days right now. It is raining hard and people are just figuring out how to live their lives in the rain. And when those brakes need replaced, when those tires need replaced, all of the things that Trump tried to make fun of Joe Biden for talking about during the campaign. These are real world things that are right. actually happening right now in this country. You know, right now in this country, you know, we talk about what happened in Texas last week, and we can't believe that in a U.S. state, uh, people could be living that way because the electricity went out and, you know, that caused problems with the water and everything else. Well, that was a, a, once, in a, a once in a century storm, or unfortunately with global warming, maybe once in a decade storm. They had another deep freeze back in 2011. But... Um, that one wasn't the entire state. That was really just the Western side of the state details. Anyway, that what, what happened in Texas last week happened because of a, a monumental weather situation. Okay. Mm -hmm. What's happening in millions of American households across the United States every single day isn't because of some natural disaster. It's because of the man-made disaster coming out of Washington, D.C. each and every year since the last time fucking minimum wage was was increased. Right. It's just it's it's a it's an absolute, absolute uh, dereliction of duty. Mm -hmm. And every you know, we we said at the beginning of this uh, podcast before we came on air that by the by the time we're done recording this year, we may have said fuck you to every uh, member of Congress and Senate. And Absolutely. I'm gonna and I'm gonna say that for the folks on both sides of the aisle right now, because there's some Democrats I'm pretty fucking pissed at right now as well. Right now, Luke, this is what I do not understand. Right, mm -hmm. unemployment benefits, Medicaid. You know, all these government funded programs or what the right like to call uh, social benefits. Right. Right. This the so the state. So the social safety, the safety net. Yeah. Right. Right. So mm -hmm. the federal government, you know, the states aren't funding those. The federal government are funding the state's money mm -hmm. for those programs. Mm -hmm. So wouldn't you think the federal government at minimum, minimum? would at least keep up with inflation and cost of living increases as the federal minimum wage to kind of help states gauge where they should be instead of saying, hey, uh, mom and pop company in Colorado Springs, you know, in Colorado Springs, we may say, hey, we want to pay $15 an hour. And mind you, we've got uh, McDonald's paying $15 an hour here in the Springs. Mm -hmm. But because federally they're only required to pay seven and a quarter, that's what they pay. Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. You know, I just don't understand 
why people are so confused as to why with the federal minimum wage at 725, why we're paying out so much and, and all these, these benefits when 725 isn't even close to where the wage should be. Like you said, it should be closer to $20 an hour. Yeah. So a couple of things on that. Okay. First of all, <laughs> the, uh, even here in the state of California, you know, I gotta, I gotta call out my state here, even when they, they, well, I have no problem calling out the state when they do fucked up shit. The minimum we wage here, you, Gavin Newsom, we see yeah, you. The minimum wage here is currently $12 an hour, but there was a bill passed where as of uh, January 1, 2021, it will increase to $15 an hour. Right. Denver that, here is 1477. Right. That, that said, uh, I, I, I can't fathom. I cannot fathom making $15 an hour, let alone $12 an hour in living in uh, anywhere in the Los Angeles Metroplex. I mean, right. nowhere, nowhere between here and Mexico. I mean, you're not, <laughs> it's not, it's not happening. There might be some areas in between here in San Francisco, where if you get inland a little bit, inland empire mm -hmm. is what they call it. Uh, and you're seeing a spike in housing in the inland empire right now, as people uh, are more and more working from home, they're like, oh, well, living hour and a half, two hours from the office may not be so bad. And right. hey, look at the inland empire, I can move out here and actually buy a house. Right. You know, uh, as opposed to, you know, renting some friggin apartment. <laughs> right. uh, yeah. So, you know, <clears throat> that that that's just wanted to throw that out there that, you know, even the big states sometimes need a little nudge from uh, from D.C. to ha make them do the right thing, right. i.e. the minimum wage uh, going up. The other thing I wanted to say uh, before I get into some of the, the nitty gritty of what you just asked about is, you know, members of Congress have no problem voting for annual pay increases for themselves every year right. every single gosh darn year they give themselves a pay increase why cost of living increase absolutely cost yep. of living increase so they're admitting they're admitting that you know we you have to increase wages about three percent every year to keep up with the cost of living Right, but they're and not employers. Employers do an annual review. What's the mm -hmm. market paying cost of living increase factored into that? But yet our federal government hasn't done it for eleven years. Mm -hmm. So we talk about all of these other programs: unemployment benefits, Medicaid, uh, food food stamps, or uh, the supplementary nutri nutritional uh, SNAP benefits um you know the school uh, i hate this term we can figure out something better but the school feeding program <laughs> which is uh, basically yeah. treating our children like cattle but it's a very very important program uh where kids get uh breakfast lunch and even some programs give them dinner before they head home for the night as well and you know we were talking before we hit record about poverty and more specifically about generational poverty, meaning right. that generation after generation of the same family cannot break the, the poverty uh, cycle, cannot get out of that. Um, not for nothing. We're also looking at the first generation of children that are coming up now um, with, well, I guess 
millennials started this trend and now Gen Z is, I guess, you know, uh, <laughs> is, is putting their mark on the trend of uh, basically for the first time since uh, the baby boom generation, you know, the kids that are being born today have a better chance of being less successful than their parents are. Uh, than uh, you know, than we have had in the past. Wow. You know, every every generation prior to us and the generations that immediately followed us. You know, you had if 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 you Bobby like you and me grew up in in uh, you know middle class kind of families and whatnot, uh, middle upper class whatever. Uh, you had as good of a chance to do as good if not better than your parents did you know, later, you know, so on in life mm -hmm. that has now flipped just slightly. And now you have as good or if not a better chance of doing slightly less, being slightly less successful. Uh, the inflation is not listening to that, mm -hmm. that fact. It's just the fact of life. But anyway, getting back into generational poverty and all of these programs, like if you have, you know, and there's so many different angles to this because there's the single parent families you know and my and so many in poverty are in that situation where there's only one wage earner in the family yep. and if that one wage earner isn't making enough at their at their monday through friday you know quote unquote nine to five job if that even exists anymore they work a second job in the evenings or overnight stocking shelves or something like that mm -hmm. and then if that still uh, creates budget shortfalls they maybe are doing something on the weekends they're waiting tables or driving for lyft or uber or, or one of these other gigs, you know, uh, you know, housekeeping, whatever the case may be, um, you know, and they're working multiple jobs in order to pay for their kids and pay mm -hmm. for, uh, believe me, these folks are not spending their money on themselves. They, right. they, they are not, they are buying those items that I just mentioned in the basket and keeping shoes and winter coats and whatnot on their children. Okay. Yeah. So you've got that scenario. And so you look at it, and if that parent is making above a certain amount, they start to not qualify for these certain benefits, such as the the, the, uh, food, the food stamp, SNAP, and yeah. the school feeding programs, and then also healthcare being as expensive. If one of those three jobs isn't offering this person, <coughs> excuse me, and their children healthcare. <clears throat> they're buying it from the system and most likely, uh, you know, getting a very heavily subsidized government government plan. Right. So why not enforce, you know, make corporate America shoulder some of this burden and make corporate America and, and not even just corporate America, but the mom, you know, every, business owners, you mm -hmm. know, shoulder a little bit more of the burden and, you know, increase the minimum wage. Increase right. the minimum wage so these people maybe they only work two jobs instead of three jobs, and yeah. that's the the other thing I wanted to mention. You know, before we get off this topic, we talked about it before we started recording that, you know, the, a lot of folks on the right are clinging to this report that came out from the um, Congressional Budget Office, stating that there would be you know millions of jobs lost, hundreds of thousands of jobs lost if this if this increase went through. Well, what they're also including in that number are people like this person who's working two or three jobs. Well, now the wage has increased, and so she only has to work the one job. So then they're 
technically there's two jobs that were quote unquote lost, but they weren't lost. Uh, now this person has time to spend with their family and maybe get some sleep and have right. a little bit better quality of life, therefore yep. decreasing the impact on the healthcare system. You know, all of these things. And so basically, that's why it's so difficult for kids to break out of this generational poverty is that they grow up in a system where they're being told essentially, you know, only make up to a certain amount so you can keep the benefits because losing the benefits would be more expensive than, yep. you know, working, you know, people are like, oh, people need to work harder and pull themselves up the bootstraps. Well, that's that's just bullshit. If right. you don't have boots, how do you pull up the bootstraps, you know? Right. Um, just, just to close, you know, there's a great little program that I binged in the early days of the pandemic called uh, Little Fires Everywhere. Uh, Carrie Washington and uh, Reese Witherspoon. <clears throat> anyway, Carrie Washington's character says to Reese Witherspoon's character at one point, she says, "You didn't make good decisions. Are you? Um, are you didn't make good choices? You had good choices." Right. Meaning, meaning that you know, really think about what that means. She's saying that you know, I did what I had to do to survive. Okay, you got to live, you know, growing up in this lush, you know, uh, very well to do lifestyle, uh, affluent, waspy life. You know, you you had all of these choices given to you. I didn't have any of that growing up, you know, uh, it more so impoverished as a single mother, et cetera, et cetera. And so, you know, it, it just it, it brings to light the the how the, the just the you know, we, we've talked a lot over the summer and, and whatnot, and rightfully so about the disparis, the, the race disparity in America, right. you know, uh -huh. but I would say that we have an equal issue with the wage disparity in America and right. the, you know, people uh, who make a certain wage and lifestyle and the people who are really, as this pandemic has plainly shown out, the backbone of this country because the frontline workers, the grocery store workers, the fast food workers, the restaurant workers, the janitors, you know, all of these folks in the, the delivery drivers, all of these folks in the service industry are the heart and soul of this country. And the only way that we were able to weather the storm of this pandemic, imagine if all of those all of those workers were gone. Right. Imagine if all of the grocery store workers one day just decided, fuck it. And everybody went on strike right. at the same time, and you couldn't get gro and you couldn't get groceries. You and know, in you, that you vein, in that vein, Luke, we have to say fuck you to Kroger again for what they're doing in California, closing stores. Mm -hmm. And I was about well, I was about to throw it back to you, Bobby. You used to run these big <laughs> these big boxes, you know, right. and you know, you know, far more than I do about the margins and whatnot. But you know, what would for a big box retailer? So these are not mom and pops. These are right. you know, these are the big boys. What would an increase to $15 an hour gradually over five years? What would that do for the bottom line of these stores? Well, you know, you'll see food prices <coughs> go up a little bit, right? But most mm -hmm. of these stores like the Kroger's and the Walmarts and everything is all about volume. And mm -hmm. they can sustain that with, with the volume. But yeah, you know, instead of paying 56 cents for, you know, per pound for, for bananas, it may go up to 50, you know, 58, 59, you know, we're mm -hmm. talking pennies, mm -hmm. you, know, you know, to cover that. So, you know, their, their public reasoning for closing those stores just made them look horrible 
during this pandemic. So, well, they're jack, they're jackals. They're absolute right. jackals. You know what? What is pennies? And now I get it. You you multiply those pennies over you know hundreds of thousands of of, of transactions and whatnot. Yes. And it becomes a lot more. I get it. Right. But. I don't think, you know, looking big picture, the corporate bottom line, I don't think is going to shift that much, uh, you know, and then that gets us all into, gets us back into who are you really there in service of? Are you there in service of your employees or your shareholders? Right. Exactly. And Kroger, Kroger just showed their hand. They're, yes. they're, they're unapologetically in service of their shareholders. Yes. So <clears throat> real quick, um, maybe not so quick. <laughs> uh, the before we, you know, moving on from the fifteen dollar minimum wage uh, battle, uh-huh. we got to get into my newest, my newest pet peeve and my newest excuse for everything. You know, if next time somebody calls me up and says, "Well, I'll use a, a recent one." Hey, man, I'm moving this weekend. Can you lend a hand? No, no, no. I'm sorry. The Senate parliamentarian told me that I could not. Right, right. <laughs> and, and and before we talked this morning, before we hit record, I asked you who who this person is. Is I didn't even know it was just one individual. Oh my gosh, the most famous, previously unknown person in America is the House parliamentarian, uh, or not? Excuse me, not the House part, the Senate parliamentarian. So I basically. See. Both houses, both uh, both sides of Congress have a parliamentarian. You know, our Congress is is steeped in this, you know, parliamentary procedure and the lore and majesty of 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 uh, discourse and blah blah blah. Yeah, right. Sure. Yes. <laughs> Do you know who was just president for four years? Come on. Right. Yeah, I think we can get over the right. decorum. Okay. Yeah. I think that I'm boat still has sailed. Nightmares, man. I mean, yeah. I think the de- the decorum debate has has pretty much uh, sailed down the river. Anyway, this person who is a a constitutional scholar is steeped in the lore that is the parliamentary procedure used in the Senate. They get to make a decision on what can and cannot happen in the Senate. They are essentially uh, they are sen- essentially like. Uh, the referees of a yeah, uh, they're, 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 she's the referee and not a referee that's been paid off by Tom Brady. Okay, so she oh, is supposed to be. <laughs> that was that was good. That was snuck in there. That <laughs> yeah, zing. That was so smooth. She, she is supposed to be an apolitical person that you know. So she is not beholden to either side. Mm-hmm. She calls the balls and the strikes. That's it. And so in this particular situation, <clears throat> the Senate is trying trying to include this bill in a, in a reconciliation bill. A reconciliation bill is a bill that uh, affects the, the budget, the U.S. budget and the U.S. budget alone um, because the U.S. Congress has sole authority of the purse strings, right? They, right. they decide what's spent, what, what is spent, money is spent on and what is not. And, that's and so house. what the Democrats... Right. Yeah. And so what the Democrats are trying to argue 
is that the minimum wage does affect the budget because to your point from earlier, if we are spending, if we have a higher minimum wage, the government could potentially be spending less on these other programs. Right. Okay. Right. But this parliamentarian said, nope, it doesn't quite fit the rules uh, as I interpret them. And so I'm going to hand down a ruling uh, that this uh, this particular provision cannot be included in the bill. And why that matters is because a reconciliation bill only requires 51 votes in the Senate. Mm. Any other kind of bill requires 60, 60. votes okay. in the Senate, unless you use your 51 votes like Mitch McConnell did over and over and over again over the past four years to override the filibuster and pass legislation without the 60 votes. <clears throat> we have a problem in the D Democrat, Big D Democratic Party. Our problem is that we just play fair too damn much. Right. Like, now, how do we overrule this there, person? There, is there a yeah, process yeah. for that? So, so I was, that's what I'm getting to, Bobby. Okay. We, we can overrule them. Back in 2001, in order to pass the uh, Bush W uh, era tax breaks, mostly for the wealthy, of course, uh, they, <laughs> included, um, they included the tax breaks in uh, a Reconciliation Act, knowing that it would never pass the Senate otherwise. The parliamentarian in that case ruled against them and said that changing the tax code does not fall under the purview of the national budget. They, using their authority as the majority party uh, and having the vice president of the United States, who is also the president of the Senate uh, at the time, they so Dick Cheney uh, in his role right. fired fired the parliamentarian <laughs> and hired a new parliamentarian that would go along with allowing this to be in the bill. So that's really the uh, the, the main way of doing it uh, would be to fire this person. Uh, you know, Kamala Harris can exert her authority fire this person, hire a new person, and get it back in under reconciliation. The other thing Kamala can do is just flat out overrule this parliamentarian um, <clears throat> and say, no, we're not going to take your guidance on this. Uh, but the problem is, is that we have, unlike the Republicans who, damn it, when they need to, they stick together, don't they? Right. We have two senators right now. Joe Manchin of West Virginia and Kirsten Cinema of Arizona, who are openly saying that they will not go along with this. They will not go along uh, with this uh, gambit whatsoever. Kirsten Kirsten Cinema, it, it's purely a, a apparently she just is so enamored with parliamentary uh, parliamentary procedure that uh, she is so enamored with the processes of this archaic institution, arcane institution that she, it's a it's a process argument for her. She thinks the number is right, fifteen dollars is right, the 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 five year rollout, the slow rollout is right. She, so she's on board with all of those things. It's just a process thing. So maybe she could be persuaded. But unfortunately for us, there's still Joe fucking Manchin. And so this is, <laughs> Joe, you get the first one. Fuck you, Joe Manchin. Oh. First, 
first Democrat to get that uh, because he has said that he unequivocally will not go above $11 an hour. Why? He represents the state of West Virginia, one of the lowest cost of livings in the country. He's probably getting lots of calls from, from constituents saying that, hey, I'm a small business owner, $15 an hour would bury me. Um, what I don't know is how much his office is pushing back on those kind of callers, right. you know, making sure that they understand that this is a slow rollout. So we are not going to get to $15 an hour until years from now. Uh, it will take almost to 2021 to get us to $9 and $50 an hour, and then we'll slowly roll up to 15. And then, like I said, by the time we get to 15, it probably will need to be at 18 or 20. So, you know, I don't know, but, you know, Joe Manchin likes to flex. Uh, this is an official Joe Manchin flex, uh, probably trying to send, um, you know, send messages to the administration that, you know, hey, you got to you got to kiss the ring if you want to get any of your uh, legislation passed. And it's it's scary because looking down the road, I don't know. Oh, I don't know. Climate change uh, legislation that we're going to need to figure out a way to get passed. Joe, Joe Manchin represents West Virginia. West Virginia is coal country. Right. Joe Manchin is a big fan of the new "quote unquote" clean burning coal. I don't know how you clean burn coal, isn't it, isn't but that, yeah, isn't that like an oxymoron? Yeah, I, I've right. never understood the phrase. Um, maybe somebody out there, if you work in the coal industry, come on and teach us what slow yeah. or uh, clean burning coal is, because it sounds yeah like an oxymoron exactly. So I don't know. I don't know what we're gonna do with Joe Manchin, but in this particular case we need him because there are no swing votes there are no uh, even the moderate republicans are not going to support this particular one because also in this is the rest of the covid relief package right. a covid relief package that when the big orange monkey was president everybody was all for the two thousand dollar checks and all of this stuff now all of a sudden republicans are scratching their heads saying uh, we don't want to bail out the blue states Right. Well, what they're talking about there is the the aid to the states. We've talked about this on this podcast so many times. The aid to the states is so, so important. It's how the vaccination rollout is going to continue to be successful. It's how the distribution of those vaccines are going to take hold. It's how we're truly going to get to herd immunity. It's also how we're going to reopen schools safely. Right. for for teachers and students but republicans even the most moderate uh, uh the lisa murkowski's of the world are dead set against any funding to the states and i just that doesn't make no fucking sense I, but what i do want to say real quick congrats to josh for getting his uh vaccine today. yes yes thank you very much and likewise congratulations to amber for getting yes. her that's Absolutely. good. Our, our half of our households will soon be fully inoculated. <laughs> yeah, and then and then we'll be waiting till about Christmas to get ours. It's for the rest of the suckers in the world that this money is so desperately important <laughs> because right. as the additional vaccines, I mean, we were about to get, vac uh, you know, Johnson, we need to mention that Johnson and Johnson yes. got their approval. You know, yes. here we go. One shot, one and done. Yes. This is going to be the vaccine that is going to be, you know, uh, 
used for the vast majority of the under 65 set. You know, the, the folks that are a little bit healthier, have a little bit stronger immune system, don't necessarily need uh, the booster. This shot has been shown to be uh, as effective as the two-part Pfizer or Moderna. And it's how we're going to get the country to herd immunity. Yes. Well, I don't even care how long any of them last. I would love to have gotten mine weeks ago. Yeah. And it's just yeah. been so slow everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. But thank you very much. We got a call last night that, uh, he, you know, we knew he his 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 uh, pod was up and we got a yep. call last night from a friend that there were they were on the county website and there were appointments available. So we got on there uh, immediately and got him a, an appointment and he just got home. He's all one shot in. <laughs> so thank you. But yeah, this this money to states. I mean, it's how we're going to really and truly come out of not just the crisis of COVID, but the the economic fallout. You right. know, states are really hurting right now. And, you know, I don't care if maybe some states had. You know, so here here goes. Let me do my best counterpart. OK, okay. so here goes the Republican argument. Many of these states. Uh, had budget shortfalls prior to COVID. So why would we be sending all this money to bail them out now uh, and essentially, you know, and essentially congratulating them, awarding them for poor fiscal management prior to COVID? You know, I don't think I need to hear this particular party, this the party of the trillion dollar tax giveaway right. to corporations at the beginning of DJT's term. I don't think I need to hear anything about fiscal responsibility because you don't hear anything from them about fiscal responsibility when they're in power, when right. they have the White House, when they want to spend money. All of a sudden, it's no big deal. We're fine. Now, all of a sudden, they're back to being fiscal conservatives again. Right. And let's be clear, the states that were having budget shortfalls, it was not hundreds of millions of dollars, right? Mm -hmm. Correct. Look at the process from when COVID really hit the United States. The, the Trump administration left it up to the states. The states were outbidding and overbidding for PPE and all kinds of supplies, overspending hundreds of millions of dollars. And now the GOP is saying, well, tough shit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't get it. I don't get it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not like, <sighs> it is not like, you know, fucking Trump when he wanted to penalize the blue states and, you know, penalize the states that didn't vote for him. This money is going to every state. Every state and right. in, in, and and Commonwealth and territory in the United States is going to get this funding. Mm -hmm. So why why you know? And it's also polling incredibly well with Republicans. Sure. Obviously, it's polling well with Democrats. But even when you just do polls, national polls of people that identify as Republicans, it's still approval in the sixties. You know. Mm -hmm. Almost double Trump's highest approval rating is right. on board with this package. Why? Because people don't understand all of the mumbo jumbo about the state's aid and whatnot. What they do understand is that $1,400 check that everyone's going to get. Yeah. What they do understand if they've been out of work is that those unemployment benefits are going to not go away and are going right. to help you get through this. 
Um, you know, that that's what people understand. People understand the the real world implications of this. People understand they want their kids back in school full time. You know, they, they just don't know how many more, you know, how many more days they can go telling their kids that, you know, you'll get to see your friends one day. You know, like people, people are want to hug their parents again, you know? Right. So that's, those are the tangible things that people understand. And without a massive, massive effort by the U.S. government to help get this country through this, we're not going to get to that better tomorrow. It's right. just going and to also understand yeah. a lot of the GOP senators that are against the bill, they're facing themselves their states are facing drastic shortfalls on their budget right right and that's and that's that's the thing i mean these folks are literally cutting off their nose to spite their face because i don't you know i don't know what is that asshole tom cotton where is he from oklahoma or arkansas or one of those states down there yeah yeah i don't think they're doing so great okay right. all right tom cotton you know you got Rand fucking paul which we'll talk about this piece of shit in just uh in just there a minute um you know oh he'll be getting a big f you you hold on for that but you know he's from what kentucky i don't think kentucky yeah. is exactly you know swimming in it right now no. you know these 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 people represent red states that are red states in the middle of the country that are really hurting because they are digging out of the fucking agricultural mess that trump created with his whole fucking bullshit policy with china right. you know so they already were struggling and now you're going to say, fuck you. You're going to keep struggling because we're not going to get any of this aid to you guys because we just want to stick it to the Dems. Right. Like, how does that play? How do you as a somebody please throw up your hand and come on the show and explain to me as a as a republic, quote unquote, Republican voter, how you keep voting for people who clearly do not have your best interests in mind. Right. Like, I do. I, I, do not understand your is your love for your AR-15 that deep that you are going to vote for somebody just on that? You know, is your is your belief in being pro-life over pro-choice so strong that you're going to vote for that one issue instead of this? It just I mean, these are look, I am a. I am a, you know, I am a, I, I, I do not have problems with legal gun ownerships. I do not have problems with people that are pro-life if they are truly pro-life and not just pro-birth. Uh, you know, they want to support right. that kid after that kid's been born as well, because that's the other thing we don't talk about enough is that everybody wants to talk about making mothers have these children, but then nobody wants to talk about the support that it's going to take to help this child turn, you know, grow up to be healthy and strong and a contributing member of society. So, right. you know, if you're truly pro-life, we can have a talk. Okay. Um, but anyway, it's just, I don't understand how people continue to vote for the Tom Cottons and the Rand Pauls, uh, and uh, oh, what is that asshole's name for from Missouri? Oh God, is it Josh Holly? Yeah, Josh Josh Holly, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you vote for these people? And know. oh my God, in Texas, don't even get me started about Ted Cruz. Holy shit! Like, right. <laughs> it's just hey, hey, Luke. Just real quick, yeah. I was just looking up Senate salaries. Right mm -hmm. from and there, and there's a list here on Senate.gov. Mm -hmm. Senate salaries from 1789 to present. You mm -hmm. go down since 2009, right? Mm -hmm. So the federal minimum wage has not budged since 2009, and it's seven and a quarter an hour. 
Mm-hmm. Senate salaries, regardless of state, is 174000 a year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They don't fucking understand what the people are going through. No, no, no. You know, and I, every single year, again, every single year, they vote to give themselves a cost of living increase. And nobody ever balks at it because it's like, okay, yeah, it's a cost of living increase. Like, okay, fine. But they don't take into consider the cost of living increases that the rest of us are dealing with in our everyday lives. So it is, it is unfathomable. So the other thing that I wanted to mention before we move off of my friend, my new best friend, the uh, Senate parliamentarian, uh, she will also be ruling on other provisions in this bill that uh, she said may be problematic. Uh, One of those provisions you might be keenly interested in, Bobby, is the child tax credit. Mm -hmm. Um, Child child tax credit. uh, It's one amount if the child's under six, another amount if they're under 18, etc. But it is very very popular. And this is one that uh, has some bipartisan support. Even good old Mitt Romney has said that he is fully in support of the child tax credit. The parliamentarian is saying that she does not know that tax code, much like her predecessor in 01, she does not know that tax code, changes to the tax code belong in budget reconciliation. So we might have a battle on our hands there as well. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I do know if I was on the Biden team, I would have my hand way up saying, please let me be the one to be communicating with the mansion office. Um, right. <laughs> yeah, I would, even if I, Kamala flexes, right, and uses her power, you yep. know, I think what she would love to do mm-hmm. because of those two two senators you mentioned earlier, yeah. Yeah. It's, it could be for nothing. Yeah. And again, this is a bigger problem looking down the road because I cannot think of a single thing that Joe Biden campaigned on that is going to get passed with 60 votes. Like there are not 10 Republicans in the Senate willing to work with us. There just aren't. That's the way that life is. And so unless Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema get over their love affair with the the, the filibuster and the sixty vote min, uh, requirement. We are going to it. It will. It won't matter that we took the Senate back. It won't right. matter that all of those grassroots uh, organizers and fundraisers work their asses off down there in Georgia to get those Senate seats. It will all have all mm-hmm. been for naught because we will cruise into the 2022 midterms having zero, zero legislative wins that we'll be able to hang our hat on. So right. that's why I said that I would be more than happy if you're listening out there, anybody in the Biden administration, I will I will bring my sleeping bag and camp out in front of Joe Manchin's office door as long as the security lets me stay there. And I will, you know, I, I will come back every morning and I will stay there until I get a meeting and I face that man down and I say, you tell me how you're going to tell the single mom working three jobs to pay, you know, for this cost of living uh, for her kids, you know, and lives in West Virginia. You tell me what you're going to tell her, how you're going to explain it to her, why you can't, you know, be on board for for uh, getting this through on reconciliation. Right. You know, that's and that's we, what I want to ask him. Vein, if you consider the you know, the minimum wage, that single mom wouldn't even be able to pay for daycare 
mm-hmm. for one of her kids, let alone mm-hmm. two of her kids. Correct. So correct. Yeah. So it is. It's it's not. It's not great. It's not great. What what is great? However, if we can we can talk about some 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 good stuff before Absolutely. we get back into some bad stuff. Uh, for the People Act. There for the go. People Act. It's ready. HR one. It's in the cannon. It is lo- locked and loaded. And as soon as we get done with uh, budget reconciliation and COVID relief, uh, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer have come out and said it is their top priority. And it it should be their top priority because if they do not get HR1 passed pretty close to its current uh, iteration, if they do not get this bill passed before 2022, uh, it it. This might very well be the last time that we hold majorities in either house, uh, either in the House or the Senate, uh, for the next twenty years. Uh, it's really, it's really that that important. Um, basically, what HR one does is, <clears throat> you know, a few years back the. Uh, good old uh, uh, Supreme Court ruled that uh, one of the main provisions of the Voting Rights Acts Act was unconstitutional. And that provision specifically was that, you know, states who had a history, you know, dating back through the Jim Crow era and whatnot, states that had a history of disenfranchising voters of color essentially had to come uh, before the courts or before Congress rather, and ask for permission to make any changes in their voting laws. Right. Right. The Supreme court says, uh, 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 we said here, the constitution says here that voting is a state's right. Here we go with fucking state's rights. Again, it's a state's rights issue and states are allowed, you know, regardless, uh, states are allowed to, uh, to make their own decisions. That was further impacted when uh, a few gerrymandering cases came before the state last uh, two years ago. And good old Chief Justice Roberts, not always a friend, not always a friend. He ruled that uh, the federal courts was not that he basically ruled by not ruling. He said that uh, the federal courts is not the place for partisan politics to play out. Well, (laughs) Chief Justice Roberts, Preventing gerrymandering is the exact thing that the the courts could do in order for elections to not be, uh, you know, election disputes to not be played out through the courts. So anyway, now over the past several years through gerrymandering and just flat out, just horribly, horribly, uh, oh, the biased uh, voting changes rule vote changes to the vote uh voting rules in many many states the republicans have essentially guaranteed themselves a congressional majority uh for the next 20 years or until we have another census okay gotcha yeah yeah and so just through the gerrymandering alone that we're expecting to see from out of coming out of this census just from that gerrymandering alone the Republicans will could easily pick up the six seats that they need to flip the House back to Republican control. 
Okay. That's if we hold all the seats we're supposed to hold and they hold all the seats that they're supposed to hold. And these six districts are redrawn to the point that we believe they're going to be redrawn, therefore creating Republican majorities. Republicans have the majority. The Senate is already, uh, again, don't get me started about the Senate. The Senate already oh, is right. incredibly difficult for the, for the Democrats to control just because of the fact that tiny states like Nebraska <laughs> have the same representation as states like California. You know, right. our, my, my two senators, uh, Nebraska's two senators. So, you know, there's, there's uh, what, like 15 million of us, five, something like that. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, I, uh, the long and the short of it, Bobby, is that HR1 would basically stop all of that in its tracks by reinstating many of the provisions that were uh, gutted uh, by the Supreme Court. Uh, gotcha. Basically, essentially, you cannot make massive changes uh, such as limiting the number of polling places in a county uh, just arbitrarily. Um, what are some other things? Oh, one of my, one of my, you know, Brian Kemp may be may have been smart enough to beat Stacey Abram once for governor. I don't right. know that he'll do it again unless he gets these these changes to the Georgia voting laws changed um, uh, passed because oh here's one in Georgia they have this amazing amazing tradition of what they call souls to the polls the Sunday before election day churches all across the state of Georgia uh, have buses lined up to get their congregations to the polls to vote there we go. What, yeah. Well, what Brian Kemp and the assholes in Georgia are trying to do is eliminate Sunday voting. Of course. How could that be seen as anything more than flat out discrimination? Right. Over Absolutely. 30, over 30% 30 of people who voted on Sunday in this last election cycle were elderly people of color. Like sure. how, how do you not look at that law and say that is meant to discriminate against African-Americans getting to the polls? Right. Like, I, I, and so nonsense like that would be, would once again be illegal for HR one. And it would give us a fighting chance to, uh, obviously a lot of this will get relitigated in the courts, of course, but at least getting it passed and enacted would give us a fighting chance in 2022. And, uh, you know, and then that, that'll bring us into 2024 and we have the presidential up again. So it's just an incredibly, incredibly important, uh, important bill. It was Joe Lewis's final wish. Uh, it is what he wrote about uh, in his letter that was published post posthumously uh, about getting this bill passed because everything that he fought for everything that his mentor, Martin Luther King, fought for, all of that would have been for naught if we don't get this law passed. So, right. And you so know, the House House is voting next week on this. On this yeah. Case. So the House okay. feels that they'll be able to take it up by next week and we should be able to get a, a vote in. Um, we expect for it to go back and forth a couple of times, but sometime uh, in, in, in March, sometime in possibly even mid to late March, uh, we should see uh, how this how this goes down. But here's the next test for our friends Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema. There will not be, there just won't be 10 Republicans in the Senate that will back this bill. 
this bill does not get passed unless we say, fuck you, Mr. Filibuster. <laughs> and we we throw out that archaic arcane rule, which the Republicans did over and over and over and over again. Okay. We're not right. Like, that's why I led this thing up by, by saying the Democrats have a problem and that's that we play too fucking fair. Okay. Like if we want real, real lasting change, real lasting change that is good for the country, we're going to have to just, you know what, push the Republicans to the side and get it done ourselves. Right. If, they, if any of them want to come along and be on the right side of history, they're more than welcome. But unfortunately, the lay of the land is such there's just there, there, there are not 10 Republicans in the Senate that are going to go along with this. Not now, not ever. It's just not not with not what's what's going not not with what's going on down in Orlando this weekend. Have you have you checked out CPAC? any of the coverage? The CPAC? Is that what we're talking about? CPAC, or as uh Donnie Jr. calls it, the T-Pac. Yeah, I, uh, I've I've seen some highlights. I've seen you, some highlights. Did you see their golden idol? The no. little the, the they've got a statue of Donald Trump. But it's uh, he kind of looks like Bob's the uh, big boy, the big boy burgers guy. Jesus. But it's this chubby little man that looks like Donald Trump. That's all gold. It is literally the you know the story of the golden idol from the Bible, right? Right. Like this. Right. This is it. It live and in the flesh. They are wow. worshiping this. This has gone. They're kissing the ring. They're bending oh, yeah. the knee. <laughs> They're bending something. That's for damn sure. Um, <laughs> they they have gone. The, like this is pure. Holy this shit. is pure idol worship. Period. That's it. Wow. That's. I mean, they have gone from a political party to a cult in service of one man. And I. That's, I didn't put it on the on the outline for a reason because it just gets me so fired up because these people are are so I mean they're just so out to out to lunch I just don't know what to yeah. I just don't know what you know because well, we your point about our party fighting right we're we're not expecting them to start turning into the GOP uh just spewing conspiracy theories just off the wall shit you know but just fucking fight for what you know is right yeah exactly exactly fight for what is right and if it means having to use the it's not breaking the rules if you're doing it the way that parliamentary procedure has laid out that you are allowed to do it so right. we need to get over the that and we I don't want it to turn into a fighting screaming, you know, you know, I, look, I I'm sure Joe Manchin has his reasons. I just want to hear him be more truthful about them. You right. know, right. I, I want him to say flat out that I have business owners across the state calling me and a lot of these business owners contributed to my campaign and I'm worried about reelection. You know, right. I want I want some fucking honesty. Mm -hmm. Is that so much to ask? <laughs> right. Maybe we can, you know, we need to play a little dirty. Maybe we need to, you know, replace this parliamentarian with someone more suited for the position. Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that that would be the play. But until we again, until we have Joe Manchin on board, you know, and sure. also here's getting about here, here, here's the other piece of it. There's a worry that if we piss off Joe Manchin this time around, we're not going to get the the House, um, the For the People Act. We're not going to get HR one passed. Gotcha. Um, so it's just, uh, you know, politics is a politics is a blood sport now more than ever, 
And there are some definite internal politics happening within the Democratic Party right now. And if I know Joe Biden, I, I, I'm sure there have been uh, calls to Manchin and he's trying to figure out the way forward here. Right. You know, so. right. this is kind of similar to the Super Bowl where everybody thought the Chiefs was going to win and avoided. <laughs> is that what you're saying? <laughs> I don't know if that one fit as Ooh, well. I tried, but that's that's okay. Uh, well, talk about living disappointments. Um, I mentioned him earlier in the pod, and unfortunately, I have to mention him again just because his breathtaking ignorance is is it's enough to put a, a, a that fireball right into your chest so on R rp are we talking about rp oh yeah on we go in the same week in the same week that the house passed sweeping lgbtq rights a uh, sweeping lgbtq rights bill okay all right the equality act enshrining uh, uh, equal protections for LGBTQ Americans mm -hmm. prohibits discrimination based on orientation and gender identity. On the same week that the House passed that, over in the Senate, we have the incredibly well-qualified, talented Dr. Rachel Levine going through her confirmation uh, uh, hearing to become the assistant director of the uh, Department of Health and Human Services. During, during her confirmation hearing, she had, I mean, in this woman, I, I want to precede what I'm about to say by saying that this woman has my utmost utter respect. Mm -hmm. And I would have never, I would have never been able to weather the storm that she weathered during her confirmation hearing because what was said was completely anti-science. There was no science whatsoever. Uh, and it was also a direct attack at her herself. For those of you who don't know, for the uninitiated, Rachel Levine is transsexual herself. She was born a biological man. She is now a biological woman. Uh, she was the director of the uh, state of Pennsylvania Department of Public Health and gave masterful briefings about the coronavirus every day of the of the pandemic. We've talked about her on the show before because yep. of the horrible, horrible backlash that she received, not because of of her guidance, but because of the fact that she is transsexual and people didn't want to hear about masking and closures. And so instead of uh, talking about their dislike of masking and closures, they of course did what the children always do and started poking fun at her appearance and of, of her identity. Well, unfortunately, that kind of behavior is alive and well in the U.S. Senate, Senate as Senate as Senator Rand Paul was more interested in talking about children and their genitals during the hearing than about Dr. Levine's credentials herself. He said, and I quote, Dr. Levine, you have supported minors being given hormone blockers and surgical reconstruction of a child's genitalia. He went on to conflate this with genital mutilation, a horrible practice that public health experts view as a human rights violation. Uh, with uh, and 
uh, going on to further <clears throat> say, you give a woman testosterone enough that she grows a beard. Do you think she's going to ever grow back into a woman looking like a woman that never had testosterone? I mean, it's just mm. the most disgusting, disgusting behavior I've ever seen from a senator from the from the dais of a Senate hearing room, you know, right. I, I just I was shocked. And I, you know, I, I, I interned on Capitol Hill back in the day. Yes, for a Republican. And so I've been in these chambers. These are not big rooms. You know, they're not like the cameras make them look bigger. But he was probably sitting all of 10 feet away from her, staring right at her, saying these things. I just, I mean, I just hats off to her because she stayed calm, right. cool, and collected. And yeah. she went on to explain transgender medicine. Fuck. Yeah. Transgender medicine is a complex and nuanced field. It's composed of robust research and only allowing for the highest standards of care. And went on to say that she would be more than happy to come to Paul's office and discuss the issue in depth with him at his invitation. Right. So, yep. you know, she balled out. She Kill balled out. Kindness, baby. Yeah. You know, she she fucking, she, she, she did it. And what he, so then again, let me play both sides of the topic. What he's talking about is that in some states, um, specifically in Dr. Levine's home state of Pennsylvania, they have started allowing children as young as 14 years old under under strict pediatric guidance mm -hmm. through one hospital the Penn State Hershey Medical Center's Adolescent Medicine Division they are starting to allow children as young as 14 years old to start to take hormones which begin the process of changing their biological body from male to female or female to male Right. Obviously, these decisions are made in consultation with the parents. Mm -hmm. Okay. And with, with again, doctors at Penn State, Hershey Medical Center's Adolescent Medicine Division. All right. And this is, this is, and so he was just scoffed at it and pointed his finger and said, you, you have, you, you've clearly never been around 14 year olds. 14 year olds can't make that kind of decision. Well, Rand Paul, who himself is a doctor, an eye doctor, but a doctor nonetheless. Uh -huh. um, <laughs> you, it's not just the child. Again, it is the parent, the, uh, the psychologists that are involved, the doctors at the Hershey Center. All of these people are involved in helping with this decision. And yeah. all of them, all of them, I guarantee you, all of them at every step are encouraging the child to wait. They all Best guidance is also always to encourage the child to wait. But if the child just can't, if they are in such psychological distress that they cannot wait, that it is this or suicide, then God damn it, give them the hormones and shut the fuck yeah. up about it. Who cares? Amen. Amen. Who cares? Amen. You know, and and so, for some kids, 14 may be still not, you know, not young enough. I mean, some of these kids know yeah. by the time they're 10, you know? Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. So, so I don't think that her, and so basically why he was bringing it up is that she was very vocally in support of this and, you know, but w just with 
so much. I mean, she comes with all the research and that, you know, she is the personification of everything we want in a doctor, you know, just so well researched, knows the ups, the downs and everything in between. And again, again, the guidance is always to push the child as much as, as much as psychologically safe to wait. But sometimes it's just not an option. Right. So go. Also happening earlier this week, if we can just go ahead and get the ignorance segment uh, out of the way, uh, Rep. Marjorie Taylor Greene, mm. <laughs> queen of the QAnon Marjorie conspiracy theorists herself, put a transgender pride flag outside of her office, uh, knowing that right across the hall is Marie Newman, representative from Illinois, who has a transgendered child. The sign said there are two genders, male and female. Trust the science. Bobby, how, how mm. fucking, how, mm. how, how much, I mean, that is the height of hypocrisy. Is it not right. that yeah. a QAnon yeah. loving Looney Tune puts up a sign that says, trust the science. <laughs> when, when their science says that Democrats are eating babies and something about Hillary Clinton and fuck, man, I, I can't even keep up with this shit. Yeah. Yeah. Pizza guy got out of prison, by the way. The guy that showed up at the uh, uh, that actually, you know, actually happened. That You know, the Q was saying that the Clintons were running a child uh, trafficking ring out of the basement of, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. of a pizza shop. And a guy yeah. showed up with his AR-15 to shoot the place up. Um, that yeah, he's out of prison. You know, there's that to, <clears throat> to throw out there. Um, right. you know, and you also have Q stating that uh, on March 4th, Donald Trump will return to DC and be restored to uh, to power. So, yeah. if you're wondering yeah. why they haven't, uh, everybody, if you're wondering why they haven't taken the security measures down from around the Capitol yet, here's why. Here's yeah. why. Well, and whenever Q misses a deadline, right? So this is like the sixth specific date that mm -hmm. they, they've claimed something was going to happen. It will not happen. They'll come out with a public statement and then they will set another date. Mm -hmm. So that's what they've been doing is just said, you know, so this is going to happen on X date. It doesn't happen. Well, it's because of whatever. And then it's like another 60 days, there's a, this, this date set in stone and that's not going to happen. So it's just going to keep going and going and going. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just a way uh, for Q to keep his control. And apparently this is all linked back to uh, when uh, Ulysses S. Grant, uh, you may have also no uh, heard that Donald Trump will be installed as the 19th president of the United States. Ulysses S. Grant was the 18th uh president of the united states and was uh inaugurated on march 5th uh or march 3rd 4th i don't know 4th what's the date 4th yeah um yeah. and for some weird reading of the constitution q believes that ulysses s grant was the last rightful president of the united states and donald trump will become the next rightful president of the united states but is that not q then also lumping in and saying that donald trump was not the rightful president of the united states during his first term that's exactly what they're saying but i just don't think they realize it <laughs> i mean these people talk themselves in such circles that they forget the last lie that they told right. you know right. it, it, it's just it's damn 
It's it's remarkable. It's, and I read something was supposed to be happening on the Fourth of July this year. I don't remember what it was, but QAnon believes something's happened on July Fourth as well. So we'll have to relook yeah. that up to see uh, how far off that is. Yeah, yeah. Well, good times had by all. Um, a little, a little, a little up note for you. A little, a little highlight. Perfect. State of Virginia. The state of Virginia has traveled quite a path in the past uh, decade. Uh, they have gone from nearly wholly being wholly controlled by Republicans to now being wholly and completely controlled by Democrats. Uh, something that other states that have recently gone blue, like Georgia, have not been able to do because at the state level, uh, Republicans are still in control, as we mentioned earlier in their new voting laws they're trying to pass. Well, in Virginia, they are about to pass sweeping voting regulations that will make it easier to vote, that will re-enfranchise hundreds of thousands of voters. It will be the most sweeping legislation to hit a Southern state since the era of Jim Crow. California, Washington, and Oregon have all passed similar state level voting rights, but are even more focused than what the Virginia Rights Act would entail. Historically, Virginia has had some of the tightest Jim Crow voting restrictions in the United States, State Senator Jennifer McClellan, a Democratic gubernatorial candidate, uh, stated. She said that the effort reflected broader shifts in what has become a reliably blue state. It is poetic justice that will be the first state in the, in the South to pass such a bill. Congratulations, Virginia. May more states follow in your footsteps. You've been listening to Unfiltered with Bobby and Luke. Politics, tech, entertainment, global headlines, real and raw. Real and raw. Finally, a podcast with real talk and no bullshit. We hope you enjoyed the show, but if we pissed you off, that's okay too. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Bobby and Luke. On Instagram at Unfiltered with Bobby and Luke. And on LinkedIn at Unfiltered-With-Bobby-And-Luke. How many dashes do we need there, fellas? My God. Anyway, make sure to like, rate, and review. And of course, leave a comment. And check out the website at BobbyAndLuke.com. This is Unfiltered. Signing off.